I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually many. Lord God, I pray for us, as the psalmist prayed, that you would test us, that you would try us, and that you would examine our hearts and our minds, because we know from the readings tonight that you do that in your mercy to grace us, to save us, to make us more like you. And Lord, I pray that um, we would know better as we open your word what it is to take up our crosses and follow you, what it is to live as living sacrifices. Uh, And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. All right. Welcome. Glad to see everybody. Partially. See this part, everybody. Um, It's good to see everybody. And, you know, this is a strange new world. I, I don't know that I'll ever get used to this, talking to a camera, talking to you, you're not together. It's, it's all just very weird. Um, but I want to look at Paul's words to us from the, from the letter to the Romans, and I want to talk about sacrifice. Um, Paul was writing in a time where the Gentiles that he's writing to, the Romans, they could literally go into a temple and shed the blood of an animal. They could offer up grain and oil and all sorts of things to their gods, or the Jews that he was writing to, they could go down to Jerusalem and get a turtle dove or a bull temples that we can take the fruit of our labor into and offer up on these altars. So when Paul exhorts us to be living sacrifices, I sacrifice. And what I want to do is just frame up how we think about have literal temples. The language of sacrifice permeates almost every area of our lives. Uh, When we talk about, you, you could hear a mother after her kid has left the house and in the despondency of the empty nest doesn't know what to do because she had what? Sacrificed everything for her child. And that language, we, we just slip into it. We don't even think of it as something strange, but we say it all the time. We say it about our careers. I've sacrificed everything for my career. And probably the realm of life where the language of sacrifice is just all around us all the time is sports, right? Leaving it all on the field. I sacrifice for the sake of the team. He really sacrificed himself. That language permeates all around us. And I want to give you what might seem like a silly example, but actually has a level of, I think is quite profound, is the books and movies, The Hunger Games. Everybody know The Hunger Games? Katniss Everdeen? Okay. So in The Hunger Games, it's this dystopian future. There's this totalitarian government that demands every year that each of the 12 districts offer up two of their children to come and fight in the arena and sacrifice themselves to the glory of Panem, the state. The logic of sacrifice is there in this young adult story. And what's interesting is the main character has a different understanding of sacrifice. Katniss Everdeen 
in one of the years, her sister is drawn by lot to be the person to go and basically die for the state. And Katniss says this, I volunteer as tribute. I will go instead. She says, I will sacrifice myself for the sake of the other. And that, I would say, is that resonates with us because the logic of sacrifice in the sense of me giving myself for the sake of another, that's all around us too. And that is the logic of sacrifice, the giving of the self for the sake of the other. And what's interesting in the Hunger Games is that when she does this, it starts to pull the thread on the other system and starts to expose it to be something not true at all, that, hey, maybe we shouldn't be sacrificing our children in these Hunger Games. Maybe there is a different way. Her sacrifice starts to undo the logic of these other ways of sacrifices. So keep that in mind as you hear these words, these familiar words, maybe for many of us from Paul. He says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as sacrifices. First, what I want you to hear is that he's appealing to them by the mercies of God. He's spent the letter up to now saying what that means, what Jesus has done, what God has done for us in his son to make it possible to where we could even do this. So the whole idea, if you grew up in a realm where you would literally take an animal or your grain or whatever, the idea that you yourself could be a sacrifice would be very strange. But Paul says it is possible by the mercies of God and by Jesus being the sacrifice for us, being literally the mercy seat that covers us in the language of Romans 3. And the sacrifice that you can be is a living sacrifice. Now, that's not how most sacrifices work. Sacrifices are good when they're dead, not when they're living. So Paul is throwing them a curveball here And he says three words. Our translation says, be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. You could have it, a sacrifice, living, holy, acceptable. These three characteristics. Now, the odd man out of those three words is living. Holiness and acceptability is the whole logic of sacrifices, right? You bring your best bull. You bring one who is set apart, who is holy. But at the end of the day, the bull is dead and no longer living. But Paul is saying that because of the mercies of God, we can be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. And I want to put this in conversation with our gospel reading, because there's a, there's a popular idea that is in the churches too, but it's this idea that, you know, Jesus is the heart of Christianity, and then Paul made everything too complicated. Right? And if we just had Jesus and get away from the complicated chin of Paul, it would all just be so much better. But Jesus and Paul are on the exact same page in this, with our gospel passage in this reading. When Jesus says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. Take up your cross and follow me as a continual and daily act. That is his way of saying Jesus died on the cross. He's saying that those who follow me also take up that altar and they, wherever they go, they take it with them. When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he is saying what Paul is saying, by the mercies of God, live as sacrifices. The world then becomes the arena by which we live sacrificial lives. And what Paul has to say in the rest of these verses is how we do this. How do we live in this way? 
How do we live as sacrifices? How do we live not in conformity to the world? Well, when you start to live for the sake of the other, you're certainly not living in conformity to the world. But he goes even deeper than that. How do we live this way? First, by the mercies of God. It's God's grace that makes it possible for to live this way. And that language of grace and mercy permeates this passage. We see it in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, Paul is not an exception. Grace given to me. I say to everyone not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So it's by grace through faith. Look at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in proportion to our faith. By grace through faith. Seeing ourselves as part of a whole is evidence that we're living by grace. And that's what Paul is getting at in verse 3. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. It's not just you. It's you as part of a bigger whole. It's you as part of the body. Um, one of the things that I watched in quarantine, because now it's on Netflix and not just ESPN, is The Last Dance, which is about Michael Jordan and the Bulls and their last championship run in 1998 and all the other championships that they won in the 90s. And what was one of the things that was fascinating to me about that documentary is Michael Jordan, greatest player of his generation, probably greatest player ever, right? The GOAT, the greatest of all time. Before he had the right team around him, he couldn't win a championship. He could go out and score 50 points in a game, 60 points in a game, but he couldn't win a championship until there was a team around them. Even the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan, I know a controversial statement for some who like LeBron more, even he couldn't think of himself more highly than he ought to. Even his gifts had to be apportioned with other gifts sort of for the sake of the whole. And that's why Paul says this before he talks about the body. Don't think about yourself more highly than you ought. You're just one piece member of the body. You have a gift, and yeah, it's given to you in a portion of faith. Some people have more of a gift. Some people are even the greatest at particular things, but they still need everybody else. So when Paul says it's by grace and it's through faith and it's by the mercies of God, he's giving us a context to understand that it's not just for us. See, if the logic of sacrifice is I live not for myself but for the sake of the other, not to gain the whole world, as Jesus says, but to live for the sake of the other. We give of ourselves to others in the body through these gifts. And that's the second piece of the puzzle, not thinking too much of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves as part of a body and that within that body we have specific gifts. Grace gifts, meaning gifts that are given to us, not because we deserve them, but because God is gracious to us. And again, I think we are back to the language of sacrifice that permeates our culture. Because when we think about what we can give the body of our time, our money, our effort, and our energy, those are things that we have to sacrifice. It's time we spend here is time we're not spending elsewhere. Money that we give here is money that we're not giving elsewhere. Energy, effort we're giving here to the people of God, to his body, we're sacrificing. And these gifts, they differ by grace. The difference is actually part of the, pro of the of not the problem, but exactly what God wants, is that you have a different gift than I do. Acts of mercy, that's not a comprehensive list. It's just representative. It's some of the things that God has given us by his grace. And he's saying, if you have one of these gifts, then do it all out. 
That's why he says, if, if prophecy, prophecy, go ahead and prophesy in proportion to your faith. In service, in your serving, in your teaching, do it in your teaching. So this list, you may not see yourself on the, this list, and that's okay because the list is not comprehensive. It's representative, meaning there's all sorts of gifts that God gives us by His grace meant to serve the body. And when we serve each other with those gifts, that is part of what it means to be a living sacrifice. See, if I've been given something and I don't just hoard it to myself, but I use it on behalf of the others, then I'm living a sacrificial life. And that's what Jesus says. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet to lose his soul? Paul, I think, is working the logic of that out and saying, hey, if you've been giving something, it's meant to be given on behalf of the other to build up the body. That's what sacrifices that are living, holy, and acceptable are. Now, we are in a strange time. I don't think I need to say that. I'm not going to say the, the year that should not be the word of the year. Unprecedented. Okay, stop saying that word. It is a weird time. It is a strange time. But stop saying it's unprecedented. Off the soapbox. It's a strange time. In this strange time, how is Christ asking us to follow him? How is he asking us to take up our cross? The altar that we carry with us on which we sacrifice ourselves on behalf of the other. I think one of the strange things about this time that's also one of its gifts, it can be one of its gifts, also can be one of its horrors, is that our lives have shrunk. The scale of our life has gotten very, very small, um, especially when we were sheltering in place, but even now when things have opened up a little bit more, our lives are a little bit smaller. We're thinking in smaller terms, and I think that is totally okay and awesome. Um, it can be. And even in a smaller arena, we're still called to be living sacrifices. Even with a smaller scope of things, even with a smaller maybe circle of influence, we're still called to use our gifts on behalf of the other. So I would encourage you this week to ask that question. The psalmist put it this way. Examine my heart. Right, what's going on in here? Can I come into the presence of God and say, test me and try me, examine my heart? Uh, what are you asking of me, Lord, in this time, in this season, in this, in this strange time when there's so much uncertainty, when there's so much anger, when there's so much confusion, what are you asking of me? And most of us have some sense of what gifts we've been given, but if you don't, then ask the people around you. One way to, I've heard one person ask the question this way, ask somebody this question, why are you friends with me? And sort of ask it three times, and when it gets down past like, well, you're fun to hang out with and we like the same things, they'll tell you something true about yourself. Well, you help me see situations differently. Or, you know, no matter what's going on in my life, you encourage me. So if you don't know what your gift is, find somebody you trust and ask them that question. Why are you friends with me? <laughs> and ask it three times, and you might, get, you might get close to the answer if you ask that question. And if you do know what your gift is, I say, pray to God what the psalmist prayed. Examine my heart, test me, and try me. Lord, how are you asking me to take up your, my cross in this season? How are you asking me to follow you? How can I live a life of sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you? Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we can live as sacrifices 
because of your sacrifice for us, and that because of your sacrifice for us, we are reconciled to you even though we were enemies. And Lord, we don't want to lose sight of that, that while we were yet sinners at the right time, Jesus, that's when you died for us. And you were not one who gained the whole world and let lost your soul. You were who, one who gave your soul for the life of the world. Amen.